Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, or ass crack of dawn to your race fans, and welcome back to Roland Race News, Episode 5, joined over here in the billiard room at my house, watching the tail end of Nebraska getting it handed to him by Ohio State, but it is what it is. This isn't a football show, this is a racing show, and I am joined with a man of many hats, Mr. Tommy Denton, promoter over at the Jefferson County Speedway, scale man at Beatrice Speedway, and he's pretty much all over the place. Thanks for coming on today, Tommy. Uh, let's just kind of dive right into it and talk about your role over at the Jefferson County Speedway. That place has seen such a rebirth over the last couple years with the addition of the USAC Series race there once a year. But you guys have a lot more going on other than just the USAC stuff. You've got a almost weekly program with the Jay Husker deal. Tell us a little bit about that. And uh, I know you guys are adding some compact shows in. Yeah, Last year we wanted another class to come in with us just for support with the Jay Husker show, so we added the compacts. A little slow this year for them, but the cars we did have, they just loved it over there. It's it's a lot shorter track than what a lot of those guys are used to running on, so uh, they said it was more of a driver's track over there. They liked it. I think it looks like a ton of fun. I've only been down there. Uh, growing up, I'd go over to Fairbury with my grandparents and watch figure eight races and the Jay Husker stuff and it you know that Jay Husker series and the compact series really everything that you guys are doing down there has been an integral part of racing around here we were sitting here off mic earlier talking about just some of the people that have came up from the Jay Husker ranks and rolled through the gates at Jefferson County Speedway I mean you look at the 305 class you've got Adam Gullion winning a points championship this year. Uh, you know a little bit more than I do about those guys, but some former champions have really gone on to bigger and better things, and it all started right there. Yeah, Tyler Drukey, there's another one. You know, he was he's real big in the 305s now. Um, you look down through the list of the 305s that are racing up here at Eagle. You got Sean Pointer, uh, Gullion, Drukey. There's uh, Shaley Bade. They're all top drivers in that class and they all started there in the micro class you know not necessarily just Jay Husker but that's where they cut their teeth too so and then you look at a couple others that are not well even I guess Jordan Grabowski now 305 you know national champion in the in the modifieds last year and stock cars nobody's ever done that before so uh, you look at some of these other guys uh, Justin Jurgens. He was another one that was a champion in Jay Husker, good runner in a modified. Now. Yeah, he's definitely, um, last time I was down at Beatrice pretty regular, I think he clicked off two feature wins in the modifieds, and a feature win at Beatrice is nothing easy to come by. Not anymore, it's not. It seems like our local guys have really stepped their game up, and it's, it's tough to win at Beatrice. Oh, yeah. Nebraska as a whole... You know, as much crap as we've gone through with all the COVID and stuff, I really think that it brought a lot of spotlight to the Midwest for racing. I mean, you talk about really the first live sporting event in 2020 was that pay-per-view that McCarl had put on over at Park Jefferson. And then all of a sudden, the Midwest just started getting cars and shows and everything flowing in here. It's it's incredible what Nebraska has became over the year in motorsports but talk a little bit about the USAC deal as you roll in there I know that's really a I guess let's back up a little bit Jefferson County Speedway 
is a huge group effort. You guys have a ton of volunteers that just out of the pure passion and love for the sport come and help out and make that make that place go. What is a regular week like to try and get a racetrack set up and going to do what you guys do? Well, this year it's going to be a little different. We're trying to look for new dirt to put on that racetrack. It's getting a little low for us on dirt, so we're working on doing that. That's going to be our project for this fall is get the new dirt put back on the racetrack. Last year we put a new fence up on the turn two, one and two side. Brand new fence. Safety comes first. Oh, absolutely. So, um, and then we uh, added a new scoreboard last year, thanks to our advertisers, and that helped pay for that. Uh, we have transponders. We have our own scoring loop, so it works the scoreboard for us. Uh, you know, just different volunteers there you wouldn't believe the help we get trying to put a put a decent racetrack there together and then you know Cody Brewer bringing in the the Hughes Hatton five years ago I believe it was you know we went to two Tuesday nights the first year and then first two years and then we ended up moving it to Friday Saturday night and it's taken off really good we always just seem to get a really good crowd for the, the midgets you know and they don't run around here very often no, that's something I'd like to see a lot more of is midget racing with, you know, again, you've got guys like Trey Gropp out there kind of making a name for themselves with the USAC thing. And I really, I've always been a big fan of midgets. I love going down to Fairbury and catching that show or cruising over to the Chili Bowl in January. They're such an awesome class of cars that used to be a lot bigger around here. And hopefully what you guys are doing kind of helps bring a resurgence of the midgets around here it was so cool how they did the jefferson county deal and kind of did the you know midwest swing over to belleville i know belleville's not doing the midget nationals anymore but i think it'd be neat if we could i even think they'd rip around beatrice or deschler or something like that get a little three night thing going but that's all just hopes and dreams for the future so yeah they have they used to be at Deschler back in the day before Belleville. They used to, I believe they'd run at Eagle on Tuesday nights. Yep, topless to, two-barrel Tuesdays. Then they'd go to Deschler like the Thursday night before, and then they'd go to Belleville. And that was just a couple years. But I know because Jeff Gordon was That's big, right. He won, he won uh, Eagle that year, and then he went down and almost lapped the field at Belleville the year he won that. Yep. Man, just so incredible some of the names, you know, they're again talking about the even from the 305 guys to Jeff Gordon. We've had a lot of cool guys run around this area that have gone on to do such bigger and better things. You're also involved pretty heavily, not just with the weekly running at Beatrice Speedway and helping with the scaling and stuff, but you also work with the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, that's uh, something that I'm very proud of that I have kept going, you know, that started in 2002 with Alan Langdale. He was the promoter at the time, and he thought it'd be nice to have a Beatrice Speedway Hall of Fame, which to this day, I don't think there is just a single racetrack in the state of Nebraska that has their own Hall of Fame. I know there's a Nebraska Hall of Fame, but I think Beatrice might be the only one. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're the only one that has a Hall of Fame. The only other racetrack that I have gone to that has a Hall of Fame for the track in itself is Adams County Speedway over in Corning, Iowa. And that's something you just brought to my attention right now. I I guess I didn't really think about how we don't have 
individual tracks hall of fames around here, but we have some really old racetracks that have stood the test of time. I mean, Beatrice has been going since 57, so I can assume that you've got your work cut out for you trying to find folks that are really worthy of jumping into that Hall of Fame, and you've already got a stellar list of drivers that have made some incredible Nebraska dirt history. Yeah, I mean, the first couple years we did it, we inducted five a year. We we probably should have just stayed at like two or three, but it you know now... We're getting a lot of the older guys, you know, they're already in. People like Lloyd Beckman, you know, I mean, he was one of the first two years that we did it. Elmer Sadoff, synonymous around Beatrice, you know, and Johnny Sadoff's dad. But, I mean, the guys, the first couple years that we did it, they're the guys that went in that those two years that were, I didn't actually get to watch some of them race, you know, because they were a little older than what I can remember. Yeah. Um, it was just awesome, and the people I've met over the years of doing this Hall of Fame thing every year, it is, <laughs> the stories you've heard, I tell you, it's just, it's amazing. Ray Lipsy told me a story when he first went to Knoxville, and the guys, he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't, for some reason, he says he couldn't do it. And the guy, somebody told him, and I can't remember who it was, they told him not to turn going into turn one. And he looked at the guy, and he says, you're crazy. If I don't turn, I'm going to take the wall out. He goes, just do it. Don't turn going into turn one. He went out set fast time. So, you know, some of the stories you hear from some of the older guys is just set down. And it's it's not a long enough night at the banquet when we used to do it at the, the, the after's banquet. Now we do it at the racetrack, which turned out to be a lot better. The people actually get to see him get inducted. Last year's induction at the, at the Speedway with Tom Vanover and Tracy Hart. We had our biggest crowd of the year at the racetrack that night. Not saying that it was because of the inductions, but that was our biggest crowd of the year, and it was that was an awesome sight. I've known Tom and Tracy. I raced against both of them back in my day, so it was a very, very good night for the Hall of Fame that night. It's it's super cool to see recognition go out to people like that because you know racing has never been a cheap sport. It's always been something that you not only put your blood, sweat, and tears into, but, you know, talking about old-time stories, Tim Rogie, I was talking with his wife, because my parents are real good friends with them. We were out to dinner one night, and she would talk about how the battery would die in the race car, so they would walk around to the parking lot and get the battery out of the street car, and that's just some true die-hard stuff that you would never see people doing today. Speaking of a story like that, i got to tell you this. We got all the story time in the world. Back in, I believe it was my one of my first years of racing in 1986, we ran the Bronco class at Beatrice. There was a guy from over around, um, he was west of Davenport. His name was Kelly Sharman. And there was, they came to the races in this dually, or it wasn't a dually, it was a four-door Dodge pickup. All the kids, and they had six kids. And once in a while, you'd see them get to the racetrack and they pull the race car off the trailer. Well, the truck died, so they pulled. I've seen them actually pull the pulling truck and the trailer into the racetrack with the race car. This was back in the 80s, you know. And Kelly was a hell of a guy, and he did do a lot over at Deschler when they started racing over there and stuff. But I see him every once in a while, I get to talk to Kelly, but. That was something amazing. It was an old four-door Chevelle that he raced 
that year. Back when you could get away with running four doors with a V8. I mean, you see some four doors in the compacts nowadays, but you look back at like uh, Jack Gropp. Huge shout out to Jack Gropp, by the way. Thank you so much for donating that belt buckle towards my silent auction. We'll get into that later, but going back and catching stories and seeing old photos of the the way that things used to be and man we've come a long ways yeah i mean you talk about the story let's let's go back to the 80s when i first started racing i mean i moved to moved to beatrice from denver in 1980 and got involved with the racing right away didn't take long i finally decided it was time to do it do it myself and i was you know, this was 1985, I believe. No, I raced in 83. A couple of races. I rolled the car. <laughs> so that season was done. That scared my mom half to death. But um, you get up to the years where I started racing regularly in 86. I was racing in that Bronco class. It was the first year they had it at Beatrice. And the help you would get from the other drivers. These cars were basically throwed-together cars with a cage in them. They didn't do much to them at all. That was I had a, I met Rudy Blake that year. And one night he broke blew an engine and I was having ignition problems. He took the spark plug wires off his car and he gave them to me. He goes, Go out and use them. That's probably gonna salt and I won the feature that night. My first feature ever. But thanks to Rudy Blake, you know, he helped me get through that night. And you go back, there's just different things these drivers will do. It's it's still the same. Drivers are help drivers. Oh, absolutely. But back in the day when these cars were a hell of a lot cheaper than what they are now, and no sanction to buy license and all this stuff that you got now with IMCA and, and NASCAR, but uh, it was just so much fun. And if, if it wasn't for racing, like I was telling you earlier, I wouldn't know half the people I know today. I mean, that's where most of my friends have come from. Oh, absolutely. If If it wasn't for racing, I would still be some computer game nerd that never leaves his house but racing has I can't tell you I can't name 10 friends that don't go to the racetrack every week that's just the way it is you know it's kind of the circle that you keep but oh what am I trying to say here you know there's good people and bad people in this world but I don't think I've ever met a bad person at the racetrack I don't know what they do outside of the racetrack but they're always good people and willing to lend a helping hand. I always, I can't stress it enough how much of a family the racing community really is because you always, you can always find somebody to lean on for a little bit of help or a little bit of advice. Your car's not doing this and you go talk to three different people. You might get three different answers, but you use two out of those three answers and you gain a lot of ground when it comes to just going out and doing a little bit better we help each other improve and you've only got a couple people at the racetrack that really aren't willing to help and that's not helping anything yeah it's it's just amazing what kind of family you get at a racetrack like that a lot of people are passionate about it yeah and doing that USAC deal at Fairbury that only rolls around once a year I I remember being younger and listening to somebody talk about how they go to Knoxville each year and how incredible it is to go year after year and you camp next to the same guy or pit next to the same guy and you literally watch their children grow up. And I'm starting to get a little bit of that after helping out at Eagle for the Race Saver Nationals. 
you really do get to watch people grow and advance, you know. I can't tell you how many birthday or anniversary parties that I've been to at a racetrack. It's just, it's what we do. And weddings. Oh, yeah, and weddings. <laughs> Jana Reed got married yeah. at the racetrack this year in front of a, you know, I can't say packed house because I think we were at 25% capacity at the time. So um, rolling with that, uh, COVID, it kind of screwed everything up over the course of the year, but it looked like you guys had a pretty good season down there at, well, both Fairbury and Beatrice. Beatrice started out really good. Our first, well, we raced one week, and then we took the 4th of July off, yep. and they raced that because they never race on the 4th of July. But And I, I know why now, after doing Fairbury this year, we figured out 4th of July, that weekend doesn't work. People want to go out with their families and do other things and not yeah. go to the races, but getting back to the tent, I mean, Beatrice's first couple crowds were really good, but then it died off, and I don't know what caused it. That it it was I worried me because I didn't think we were going to race much after July, because they were said if they didn't get to stay even, at least break even, they were going to shut it down. Well, we kept going, thank God, because we finished out the season and had a really good actually had a really good season fall nationals it was cold oktoberfest uh it was cold the crowd was down we had a good car count we had 170 cars the first night and 155 cars the second night Beatrice or fairbury we started out with 72 cars our first night which we were just ecstatic we had about 150 people in stands which we don't get a, a really big crowd at fairbury i don't know what it is about the micros if it's a sound or whatever, but it they're just as good as any open-wheel car. Those guys put on a hell of a show, and you're looking at an age group in those micros that go anywhere from, if you're into the adult class, some kids, some of them kids are 12, 13 years old racing against 40 and 50-year-old guys. Yeah, and uh, and whooping up on them, yeah, too. Yeah, they are, and, you know, we were really happy with that first night on in June that we got to race. Well, then we went and did the, uh, the sprint car race, and that was... The, July 3rd. That was a Saturday night. Of course, we were running against Eagle that night, but we had URSS with Rick Salem come up. Belleville hurt because they canceled because of COVID. The Friday night, or we would have had a two-night type deal. Oh, I forgot about that. And it, and it hurt our show. We had to end up with 13 cars, but we still had a good show. And some of the guys that were there, you know, Stu Schneider came down. Uh, Jake Bubach was there driving... Um, Zach Burton's other car. Okay, yep. I thought he was and in the one that Boy, night. you talk about a show those two put on. Stu Schneider and Jake Bubach. Slide job after slide job, about five laps in that race. Bubach went on to win it, pulling away, but uh, those guys all want to come back. And that's a fifth-mile racetrack for a 305 sprint car. And they handled it. I, we, were, we didn't know what to expect, you know. And that's... they liked it. That's kind of where I was at, too, when I first saw the URSS announce that they were going to do that. I'm like, uh, I think that might be a little bit small for those guys. And then sitting down Sunday morning and scrolling through Facebook and seeing some videos on it, oh, my God, it looked like a blast. And it was. I mean, you talk to some of the drivers. They were talking to the guy that prepares the track. And, what are you doing tomorrow, you know? Can we we'll race tomorrow, you know? Uh, Stu Schneider was one of them. Zach Blurton. Uh, Jake Bubach. They said the only thing that was different, they're used to just barely turning, you know. At this track, they had to work. Their arms were a little sore after a 30-lap A feature on a fifth-mile racetrack. Oh, I can only so, imagine. It was a good show. 
awesome fireworks display afterwards that Cody put on and everything. And it it's a good way to start a, a weird season. And then we went in and did, uh, I think one of our next races was actually the, the midget race, the HUSAC midget race, and that turned out really good. I mean, we had a good car count. We had 32 midgets and I think we had right around 40 micros. Oh, man. So our pits were full. I mean, we were looking for places to park cars on Friday and Saturday night. And that ended up being really good. And then our next uh, micro race was the Roy Cooley Memorial. And I was shocked. We had 76 cars. And we had over 200 and some people in the stands, which we don't. I don't know if it's just people don't know that we have races at Fairbury. You know, a lot of people don't. There's people in Beatrice that don't know we race in Fairbury. But um, that show was awesome. And we got that one done, and then we kind of, it kind of dropped off as we are getting back towards school days, you know, getting started yeah. and stuff. And our car count dropped a little bit, but we were always good on car count, and our crowd went up. Our kids' night on in August, we had 300 and some people in the stands. Which was amazing. We just loved it. It's we just don't get that big a crowd. I'm hoping I'm hoping it carries over to next year. I hope the best for you guys too, because Fairbury, even just growing up and going there for something as simple as the figure eight races, or the Jay Husker stuff back in the day, we always went because my grandpa wanted to watch the little four cylinder trucks that used to do that, and that is really for what it is for a little small town fairground racetrack that place is first rate you've got a nice covered grandstands you were talking about the sound maybe being a deterrent i love the sound of a 600 midget ripping around that place under the covered grandstands you guys have added new grandstands the grandstands that you have in the main have backs to them that place is first rate in my book one of the best racetracks facility wise in nebraska and you guys always put on a hell of a show whenever you do it there's, no matter what's out there. Yeah, you know, we got that catwalk now that's off to the south side. I forgot all about we that. We got that from Minneapolis a couple years ago. We went down and a bunch of us went down with a semi and went down and disassembled it and brought it back. Oh, it was cold that morning. It was like four below zero. I can't even imagine. To pick that pick that up. And that was our first edition for, for bleachers. And then um, Cody helped us out and we bought some from... Uh, Atchison, Kansas, when they closed down, we went over, three of us went over and picked up a bunch of metal for the bleachers, and we said, we still got a whole bunch left, so we can add more if we need to, but that was, you know, just adding them seats, and there's a nice little catwalk on the back of those seats, too, to stand and watch over in turn one, so um, there's some more additions that we want to do, you know, like I said, we want to add the dirt to make a better racing surface for everybody. We want to do some fence work and things like that. We got some new lights to put up, especially in the pits, because it was pretty dark in our pits. But we got some new lights to put up for next year. So hopefully by the time next year rolls around and this COVID's gone, pray to God, we can all go racing back in March and April again. I think you guys are going to be in. I, I definitely see a bright future at the Jefferson County Speedway. Thanks to you and thanks to other volunteers that go out and just do this for the greater good of the sport and to try and help things get bigger and better as the years go by. You guys have definitely made diamonds out of dirt and done an incredible job. Going back to the Hall of Fame stuff, what kind of work goes into that? I 
I don't feel like enough people would know the kind of research and development and time that you have to spend to go through. And I guess maybe to boil it down, what helps you guys make your selections? Well, we put a list together of different drivers. And it's not just drivers. I mean, there's uh, officials, car owners and stuff that are on that list. Uh, we did some, um, oh, where we let, we just put in a uh, provisional type champion and stuff like that. Um, but we basically get together as a group and look at the list and see who, and we just narrow it down to somebody for that year. And we've been doing two the last couple years. Your uncle went in, Roger Sims. Yep. He went in two years ago. That picture actually made a lovely decal. <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, we started this in 2002 with nothing. It was Alan Langdale's idea to do this, to, to recognize the history at the racetrack and the drivers that put the racetrack on the map you know that it is now I mean you look at it we're pretty popular with the, the spring and the fall show at Beatrice oh absolutely pay-per-view and and when it first started the spring nationals 175 just modifieds oh yeah that was and the weather was horrible the four first day shows yeah, oh yeah just one right after another and Alan just busted his butt to make that the way it is you know and it's it's grew to just be all the classes now you know, and it's a two-day show, but um, when Alan set that up, he just wanted to recognize everybody that made the track the way it is. I mean, there's a lot of history to Beatrice Speedway. Oh, a ton. I mean, my grandparents have lived in Beatrice, obviously, my whole life, and most of their whole lives, too. So, growing up, that's why I like getting together and talking with people like you that know a lot of history and want to put the time into it to make sure that it doesn't go forgotten i mean beatrice speedway the modern variation has been around since 1957 and you just you don't hear about that a lot more racetracks don't last as long as they have here in the midwest we are so fortunate guys if you're listening to this show and you wonder why racetracks close here's what you got to do bring somebody who's never been but don't just go uh, something that I kind of struggle with being an announcer. I always want to bring somebody new, but I feel like you kind of have to bring somebody from the outside world. You kind of have to explain it to them because, well, take football, for example. You get an arena filled with people. About 50% are going one way and 50% are going the other way. You go to a racetrack and you decide that you don't like that guy and you boo him, you might get punched in the face by the guy three rows down because that's their guy. We we have such a unique animal that we can continue to help build and grow and get better and better just with new people. I mean, you look at racers. Uh, Ed Range used to race a modified around here. He was a heart surgeon. And then you've got people that are custodians at schools. We are, we are truly a melting pot of all races, religions, colors and creeds we got something super cool here and you know, i i don't feel like outsiders get it you said like ed rains heart surgeon our police police chief in beatrice raced one year oh yep i remember that ernie race. talked him into it and it was a sport mod he ran yep. a sport mod and he loved it he just did it one year but he did he didn't do bad for never doing it before and 
it, you'd be surprised some of the backgrounds on some of these drivers that are actually doing it now. <laughs> oh, I can think of more than one I know that served a term in prison, and that's kind of their second chance at life. You know, you get out and you've... It's always something to do. Um, a friend of mine, Jesse Osmond, raced at Eagle for a couple of years. Unfortunately, we lost him at a young age due to a motorcycle accident, and his grandpa got up to speak at his funeral and made the point that when Jesse came to him and said that he wanted to start racing, grandpa was pretty leery because you think about the safety of it and the chance that you can get hurt, but he would have way rather known that Jesse was at the racetrack on a Saturday night than wondering just where he was. Yeah, that's, I mean, any more around here, especially in Iowa, you can go to races every night of the week. Oh, yeah. I mean, Columbus on Thursday night. Beatrice on Friday. Eagle, Saturday, or... You or, know, or... You can go to... Now, Sunday night, that's a little different. You can go down to Concordia, Kansas, you know, don't have a big car count down there, but we used to have a Sunday night show, you know, with Deschler, but the Sunday nights, after being involved with Deschler during that time, they just didn't seem to work you couldn't Sundays are hard because mm -hmm. I mean Deschler you know you think that's about two hours 15 minutes two and a half hours from Lincoln you get a Lincoln guy that goes back down there even if you guys are over at nine o'clock that's still getting home at eleven thirty. some people have to get up at four and five to go to work on Monday morning so Sundays are definitely difficult and then you've got the adversity on Friday too you know Beatrice is pretty fortunate that they get started at you know, they start a little bit later, 7.30 yeah, or 7 8. Okay, 7.30. And that still only gives guys a limited window to get off work and head down here. Um, actually, not to switch things up, you talked about Concordia a little bit. I know a couple of local guys, Sean Hine and Jacob Swanson, is going to come be on the show tomorrow. So I was actually going to talk to him a little bit about that. I want to kind of get to know the Concordia High Banks a little bit better because I'm all about trying to get more fans in the seats and more cars through the pit gate. It looks like a really fun racetrack. I just haven't had the chance to get down there. I'd love they, to see them get have, some more. You know, I've been to Concordia lots of times with, with the Jayhuskers because they raced they raced down there and then they quit for a while and then they kind of come back a little bit this year. Okay. In that Jayhusker series, there was like you had Fairbury, Washington, Kansas, Clay Center, and Concordia. Beloit was in there at one time, too. You know, it was just a series at that Jay Husker run. Yep. But Concordia's always had trouble with, with the track. It's always been kind of rough. You know, and I don't know what the what the deal is, you know, why it's that way. And these guys seem to gotten it a little bit better from what I've seen, but um, I don't know what it is. It's, it's just a different racetrack. It is fun to watch. When I went down there, when I was president of Jay Husker, I went down there with the shows all the time, and I enjoyed it. It just seems like there's not a lot of room in the pits, for one. <laughs> it's a small place. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the pit side stuff. I'm mostly just going off of YouTube and Facebook videos. It looks like a really fun place to go, but then again, it's hard to go to a racetrack and not have fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they run on Sunday afternoons a lot. They run early, so that, that gets everybody home. And they'll do they'll do some Friday night. And I know this year I think they did a couple Friday night things too. But they're IMCA sanctioned now, and they still pull in the Jay Husker guys whenever they can get them there and stuff. And 
they ran some kind of mod light special this year that was supposed to pay a thousand to win. So they're getting their name out there as if they can get it get it to turn turn the corner and start getting a crowd and mainly the car count, I guess. That's another class that's kind of came and went or fizzled back out or fizzled back in. Those mod lights are so fun to watch. I wish that they could take off around here. But that's kind of the same deal with your micros. I mean, it seems like back in the early 2000s, micro sprints were everywhere. And now you have your select venues that run them. I, I think it's just you guys and Hastings that run the micros and Jay Husker stuff. And what a great series to have and a great class to have to help develop young drivers because i mean it's just the natural progression back in the days you didn't have cage carts to jump into so you move to micro sprints and now it's like you start out in a cage cart so you can learn just the basics of driving and then you get in some horsepower and get into these micro sprints i know you guys have another uh, driver coming your way next year getting ready to make his start and of course i can't think of his name but it's Troy Samford's nephew. They just got a micro sprint, and they're getting ready to start him off in that. And how cool is that to be able to jump in and start racing an open-wheel sprint car? Yeah, it's a micro, but it's still a sprint car. Jump in at 8, 10 years old and go out there. You were talking off mic about your adult class. That starts at, what, 12 or 14? Yeah. And then yeah. you race with guys in their 40s and 50s. So you, I just think from a driver's standpoint or even from a fan standpoint, that would be a great way to sit back and learn because, I mean, adults can learn from kids just like kids can learn from adults. So it really, it kind of helps feed racing in my opinion. Yeah, you know, you said, said that, you know, Terry Richards is, so oh, I, I his, did see that. boy raced micros this year. First time. The only thing he's ever done is drive his dad's sprint car around the yard. But they put him in a micro this year. Started him in the back every night. But he he come down and they even used our track to practice a couple times. And his dad was there with him. We all opened it up for him so they could come down and get some more laps and stuff. But you look at our Jay Husker stuff. You were talking about cage carts and things like that. We got kids that are five years old racing these things, the junior sprints. They they get an age group. I think it goes five to eight or nine that they run these. They're smaller than the the micros. They got a smaller engine, but they'll still these little kids. I tell you what, there's been some really good ones that's worked their way up from the from the beginning in the junior right junior sprint ranks. Then they go to the restrictors, which is a full micro, but they got a restrictor plate and a yep. carburetor, and that's, I believe, no, uh, Terry's boy ran non-wing. So that was A-class. So those were, you know, like what the adults run. And then we got the wing class also. And that's the same as the non-wing. They just take it, they can take the wing off and race both ways if they want to. So, but, you know, you look at those little kids and those, there's a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old kids running a race car, basically. And... They get they get into it. Our junior class class this year was really small. We only had two that showed up, and they were both from Kansas, if I remember right. At they least they up, made the toe. But they came up. They were there two or three times this year. But then our now the restrictor class, which is the older kids, we the first night we had thirteen of them. Wow. And then we were right around eleven or ten for the other shows. 
So that just shows you it's a it's a different. Two years ago, our junior sprint class was the big class, and the the micro or the restrictors were just like four or five. But now it's kind of flipped around. The kids have gotten older, and there's not as many coming up through the junior sprint ranks. But they go down to the chili bowl with the junior sprints just as they do with the restrictors or the A-class or the outlaw cars, and they got a class for them down there at the... Tulsa Shootout? Tulsa Shootout, yeah. So these guys get around, these cars are around there, you know, there's a lot of micros around, but they're just not as prominent here as they are like maybe in the south or in the Midwest, farther east. Kind of like with your USAC midget stuff, I mean, I know, I can think of three or four midget cars that are sitting around in Lincoln, Nebraska, that only get brought out once a year to go down to Tulsa well and maybe a couple guys are starting to go down and run with your USAC show in Fairbury so I think it'd be cool to see more midgets around here just to get more cars out of the shop because it doesn't do them any good sitting on jack stands yeah I think the closest I don't know for regular just midgets I know Rocky Mountain Midget Association there's a bunch of associations in Oklahoma and I'm not sure about Kansas. I think maybe there's a couple. I think there is City. one in Kansas. I can't think of what it but is. But then you get farther east, and then you're getting to, especially around the Indiana, Illinois oh, yeah. area, then you're getting a lot of the midgets. You know, and you know, you were talking about different drivers that come up through the Jay Husker ranks, and you mentioned Trey Gropp, and he was a Power Eye Rookie of the Year this year. He got he got that last, I think they announced that last week or the week before. He ran Power Eye most of the time over the USAC. He got to USAC shows like Fairbury. He was there. Yep. But he was the Power Eye Rookie of the Year this year. So. Yeah, an impressive young man. And uh, another name that we had forgotten to mention, Eagle Raceway's Sport Mod Track champion this year, Cole Wayman, got started out with you guys. And I don't, I don't remember, did Cade run a micro ever? Cade Richards? Or I... I don't. I don't know. Remember the, it. I remember him starting out in the E mod. Yeah, they, they ran Atchison. over. Yep, Atchison, the young Kansas. kid class. Yeah, they had a real uh, young kid class in mods, is what it was, and they called him E mods, and I think that's where he got his start, if I remember right. And he was right. down. To, he was down to be after several times this year in stock car. He brought one. He brought both uh, with the modified and stock car or sport mod, whatever it was. He was running. He had them both down there one night, but he'd come back and race with us a couple times at Beatrice, too. Yeah. It's just great to see people go through and develop and still manage to go back to their roots. That's another special thing that we've got in dirt track racing. You know, you talk about, you know, Johnny Sadoff, five national championships. Four. Four national championships. And they were four in a row. <laughs> That's going to be a hard one to duplicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, you look at some of those guys, and you got Jordan coming up now. He's won, I can't even remember how many national championships Jordan's got. I think he's at four or five, if I remember right, because he won two two years ago. Yep. And then he's won a couple modified ones before that. So I think he's setting at four or five, something like that. And we also had another one at Beatrice, Dylan Richards, won in the compacts one year. I always forget about that, yeah. He got, he got the Compact National Championship. So, you know, and I thought Eagle was going to get one national champion in the 305 Sprint Cars, but I think a guy from Minnesota got We that. keep getting closer and closer, Drew but I don't, there, I don't I think the Nebraska boy has picked it up yet. But, you know, many times these guys with Rogers Race Saver Series, they can go out and race now. They can pick up these points. They can go down and run with Rick Salem and the URSS and, 
they can, you know, it's all IMCA stuff, so, and it's where the points go. Yeah, I, I feel like the 305 class, I mean, you've been around racing around here forever. I don't know how much you've focused on the sprint car side of things, but it was so painful growing up as a kid when we didn't go to Beatrice on Saturdays. Every once in a while, we'd go to Eagle, and you'd see like 40 or 50 360 sprint cars and they were just the most ungodly cool things on the planet and then you fast forward to 2008 through 2012 and it's like they really only got 12 of these and then you start out with the race savers and how much that class has snowballed into something incredible i mean eagle was getting 35 cars a week it's just wild the way that things progress so i'm hoping that for the jay husker series i want to see that class really take off because if your goal is to race a sprint car why not start out in a smaller one yeah i mean you got a lot of guys it's done i've seen like i said jordan boston has raced at fairbury i've seen mike boston race at fairbury in a in a micro yeah mike boston had a great micro career that dude I mean, really, if you look back at Mike's career, he's been fairly successful in everything that he's done. He was a hell of a flat track motorcycle rider, did a lot of motocross stuff, won a lot of micro races, won 360s, won 305s, just multi-talented. And Jordan, Jordan came up to be a great shoe, too, in the micros and the 305s, and he had some great 360 stuff, too. I've I haven't, uh, I'm not going to unleash any news here or anything, but I've heard that Jordan's thinking about getting going again next year. I don't know what he's thinking about running, but I've heard a couple of uh, rumors around the rumor mill that we might just see JB back in some kind of a sprint car next year. Yeah, and I do like the sprint cars. I mean, I'm open wheel at Fairbury all the way around except for the compacts. When I first moved here, I went to Midwest Speedway and watched sprint cars, Lonnie Jansen, Don Droud, you know, people like that. Oh yeah, where 360 Greg, sprint Dean cars Berlin, were born. You know that's I, we went there, and then the mod, then the mods came in with them. You know, Kevin Larkins, which was one of my best friends. I pitted for him when he first bought Laverne Allen's late model back in '84 or '83, whatever year that was. We were talking just a little bit ago about how the pricing. You know, back when you were racing, how much cheaper it was to do things i always think back to it i didn't see the magazine because i'm not that old but there was an old magazine clipping that gets circulated on facebook from time to time that says want to go racing for less than sixteen hundred dollars build an imca modified now what can you touch on an imca modified if you're wanting to go out and be competitive 16 grand that's a, kind of a just a drop in the bucket yeah you're not gonna you're not even going to get a car for that kind of money almost no. now. They're, they're, the prices have gone up, but you know, I, you go back to the olden days when I first started watching the races. You know, I was on pit crews at first, and um, some of the, you know, factory stock days back, and you remember those days? That was one oh, of yeah. the longest classes ever ran at Beatrice, the factory stock, along with the Pro Ams. But, um, just being on pit crews, you know, I've been on championship pit crews with with uh, Neil McCann and and uh, Tim Vandegrift, but Kevin Schneider in 1984 was the first championship that I ever got being on a pit crew, and there was one guy that he really knew his stuff, Kevin Schneider did. I mean, big block engines that those years, and it was street stock, you know, and 
back in the day when there was 30 of those cars running. You get guys like Dan Creechaw and all them guys coming down from David City and up in that area come down and race with us and stuff. It was a lot of fun back then. I can only imagine. I mean, my, my uncle, we talked about him a little bit. Bill Sims, he talks about how he raced 96, 97, 2000, 2001. Those were his Friday night years at Eagle. And then he jumped into the limited modifieds that Beatrice started. I, you know, there's another great class that came out of Nebraska. Those limited modifieds, when they rolled those out, they were really the original Northern Sport Mod before that class ever came about. And look at where that's gone today. Yeah. I mean, his first modified was a leaf spring car. Yeah. Back then, those guys would pick up the old modifieds that were obsolete at the time, you know, and then they'd turn them into a limited modified. And it did. It started at Beatrice there. They brought in those limited modifieds and ended up being sport mods now with IMCA. So. Yeah, and look at where that's taken. I know Benji Leg was running pro-ams before the limited modifieds, but that was what got his feet wet into modified racing. He had an incredibly successful career in the northern sport mods. It's just... It's really amazing. We've we've got something special in Nebraska, and we've definitely got something special going on over at Jefferson County Speedway. It's so great to see somebody that cares so much about the sport and can take so much of their history and try to implement it towards the future. Yeah, i got to mention some of these guys over at Fairbury. You wouldn't believe it. It's all volunteer. I mean, we get a few guys that get paid on Saturday nights when we're over there working, but this is a bunch of volunteers out of Fairbury in the Beatrice area that put this racetrack together. We take care of it. This year, we even, the fairboards more broke down, so we even mowed around the racetrack, took care of that. This list of guys that we got over there, a lot of them you probably heard of and stuff, you know, Jim Kreiner, he's kind of like my right-hand man. Me and him work together with everything. He's he's an awesome, he's, he's the go-getter on the group. He's the one that sets up all the work days that get everybody together, and then you got Brendan Stiggy and Everybody knows Brendan from. I always forget hobbies. that he comes down there and helps you guys out. Yeah, he he did for a while, and then he quit, con- concentrated on racing. But we got him back, and then our announcer Aaron Bales, and then we have uh, Travis Schneider also as an announcer down there. These guys are just starting out as announcers, and Aaron's loving every minute of it as, as Travis is too. And then our, you know, we got transponders down there now so the lap counting is a little easier but it's all computerized now so you still got to manually just for a backup but you got um, Kaylee Schneider and Tierra Schneider and Jennifer Seabolt they're our main lap counters and then my wife and she's at the pit gate taking the money along with Cindy Essam and then uh, the rest of the guys that just come in Brian Brian Bartles takes care of the track Pierre we call him he's the water guy um, they get the track ready every week, and then you got all the rest of the guys that just come in and do whatever that we need. You know, uh, it's just a great group of guys. We sit there at the pit gate and welcome the people in, and we're sitting there at the pit gate when it's time to go home and saying thanks for coming, you know, and everything. So we got our picnic tables right there at the exit that we can sit there. We got our little tent up over everything, and it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of camaraderie down there. And then you get the local businesses that are supporting it too, you know, that that uh, without them we couldn't make it go. That's all there is to it. Oh, absolutely. Racetracks rely on fans, drivers, and sponsors. 
sponsors are huge in the world of racing. I mean, you think about, like, like just at Eagle, Valentino's, they help put together these points funds. That's what builds your purses for these classes. I hear so many people dog on the current purse situation in Nebraska, and I, I have to tell them it's not just Nebraska. Purses have been the way that they are because there's not as many people that go out and spread word of mouth. I mean, you look back to the early 90s, and uh, we were talking about the Beatrice Speedway cookbook. Uh, I think it was Peanuts Valeski. I remember the picture of his car because it had so many names on it, and I can remember being a little kid like, man, this guy sure has a lot of bars on his car. <laughs> but you think back, and any sponsor is a sponsor. So if somebody says, well, yeah, I'd love to have your name on my car or my name on a billboard at your racetrack, but I just don't think I can afford it. There's there's several sponsorship packages out there, and every little bit helps, and it helps a lot. You can really make mountains out of anthills with just a little bit of help. Yeah, people don't realize what it takes to run a racetrack. You know, and I I was one of those drivers that didn't know what it takes to run a racetrack and then 2002 when I quit racing I turned around and Alan Langdale hired me to be an announcer at Beatrice Speedway and I've been on this side of the racing ever since. I've worked for Beatrice now for 17 years. I've been over at Fairbury for 12 years working for them doing that. So I did not realize you'd been over at Fairbury that long. Mm -hmm. I started actually the flagman at Fairbury, Scott Cronin. He was my flagman at Deschler in 2008. And we were coming down, we were done at Dashler, and he says, we need some help over at Fairbury, you wanna come and help? He goes, oh, you can turn one flag. So I went over, you know, I knew the micros, but I, I'd been watch, maybe watched it once, but I'd never been over there. And that was the last race of the season in September of 2008, and I've been going there ever since. I ended up being Jay Husker president for two or three years, vice president for a couple years, and now I'm the president and promoter at. Fairbury so I've worked my way around at all and I don't know at all that's for damn sure but I tell you what without those guys the volunteers I got at Fairbury right now this these guys are awesome we all work together and we put that racetrack together and we take a lot of pride in it I think you guys do a great job for for a group of bleh, for a group <laughs> of volunteers that's just out there doing it for what they love I think you guys are getting some great feedback and I know that I personally will pump your guys' tires as much as I can and try and get some asses in those seats and some cars through the gates because I think you're doing a great thing for not just the youth in motorsports but motorsports as a whole. You guys are trying to keep it alive. You're doing great work with the USAC stuff. You're making great strides over at Beatrice too. The racing community is definitely a better place with Tommy Denton, and I can't thank you enough for coming and actually being the first guy that I'd never met face-to-face -face before to come on the show. It's been a great afternoon just sitting and hanging out with you. Yeah, I never met you either. I always seen you at Eagle when I go up there and, you know, watch. I got to, unfortunately, I only got up there once this year because that's one of my favorite places to go watch races up there at Eagle. But uh, oh, you got your obligations. You know, I'm busy on Saturday nights. Not every Saturday night, but now i got a camper too, so that's going to take some other Saturday nights, but it makes it easier to go to races. Well, I was going to say, away. you know, almost every racetrack <laughs> will let you camp in their parking yep, lot. No yep. problem. I've done that. I used to, when we'd have to go down to Washington for the 
the Jay Husker two-day show over Memorial Day or Labor Day, I did that a lot. Took camper down there and just stayed. It's just easier than coming home. Same thing out here at Eagle, like you know, for the race saver deal. They got a lot of campers out oh, there. Oh, it's so <laughs> much fun. You, um, I don't know how, I know you're on social media and stuff, but there's that page, People of Super Nationals, where you see the guys passed out over in the campground and yeah. stuff. That, I don't know, the Race Saver Nationals deal, I've, I've been to the Chili Bowl, I've been to the Knoxville Nationals, I've been to Boone, I've been to Oktoberfest and Spring Nationals, and I don't know if it's just maybe home, but... I don't think anybody can quite party like some good old-fashioned Nebraskans. I'll tell you what. For the Midget Show, Kevin Schmidt, one of our sponsors down there, Schmidt Sanitation, he puts on a shrimp boil on Thursday night before the Midget Show. I and heard this is the first year I got to go to it because I've always been busy working. So I took, I took Friday and Thursday afternoon off so I could have the weekend clear. And I went to that shrimp boil. And USAC had the date open, so we had some drivers that came in early, of course. And then yep. uh, Levi Jones, he kind of runs that whole deal. Wow. He was there, uh, Dave Darlin. No, not Dave Darlin. What's his name? Um, Jerry Coons. He was there, and I tell you what, they do it at the campground just north of the racetrack on the other side of the horse. Okay. There. And uh, if you get a chance, you've got to come down to that. That is, I mean... Kevin and a bunch of the volunteers put all that on. Beer, shrimp boil, it's, it, there's plenty of food and desserts and drink and just a lot of fun at the campground that night. It makes it a lot of fun. I have my Saturday obligations, but I will gladly take the Thursday and Friday off to come down there and do that because I like getting over to Fairbury for the races, especially the midgets, just because I'm, I'm a midget guy. And you throw a free shrimp boil in the deal, how the hell do you turn that down? I tell you what, this was the first year I got to go, and I was really surprised. I really enjoyed it. Do you guys have any um, dates set up? Is there a banquet going on? Mm, uh, for Fairbury... I, that's up to Jay Husker on the bank. Okay. I haven't heard anything yet. Um, I talked to the women for racing at Beatrice during Oktoberfest, and they're not sure about a banquet yet. With all that COVID stuff, you I've know, heard a lot of tracks are facing that. I was telling you off mic a little while ago, I do the Hall of Fame, and we're on a limited budget. So, you know, we take uh, any donations we can get to keep us going. And we're hurting right now, and I know... The women for racing aren't doing as well as they have been because they they do the banquets and everything at Beatrice. You know that's another God bunch bless of those ladies that do a lot of stuff for the Beatrice Speedway and stuff. But um, you can't thank them enough for what they've done since 1989. Yeah, they've done that. You know, and I was to tell you the truth, and a lot of people don't know this. I'm an actual or was a member of the women for racing at one time. There, I was on that group. See, they don't discriminate. Yeah, they don't discriminate. I was the only male. And it was a lot of fun. You know, those ladies do (laughs) so much for the Beatrice Speedway. And and they have since 1989 when they first started this group. It's just amazing. Organizing that beginning of the year car show. um, I don't know if that was a Nick Fertiska deal back in the day, but I remember being a kid and thinking how cool it was that they had those little stick-on buttons. Mm Mm-hmm. 
with the picture of the car. Of the car. Yep. Oh, those were incredible. I wish I still had them today. Yeah, uh, but you know they do that. They used to do a uh, a breakfast. Yeah, during the, the pancake fall, feed. And they don't do that anymore. Uh, but the kids' night, the kids' bike races and stuff. You know, they they put all that on. They they do a lot of stuff at the racetrack that wouldn't get done if they weren't around. You know, they put on the banquet every year and get the get the awards and everything and stuff. And you know, this year's going to be tough on everybody with the shortness of oh, the yeah. season. You know, I know, I know they're scrapped for money and stuff, and it shows. But it's just this year. Everything about 2020. It just seems like let's get this year over with. Let's start over with 2021, and see what we can go from there. I mean, I haven't lost an hour's worth of work due to this pandemic, but it. I'm having. I'm not gonna lie i'm having like the tightest financial month that i can ever remember having in my entire adult life it's just it's a weird year but thank god that we've been able to get out and go race as much as we have because we could be like some other states and be in a way worse situation but i am incredibly thankful for you joining us today i am so thankful for all of you volunteers no matter what racetrack you're at folks Get out and support these guys because without these volunteers giving their time, we wouldn't need to worry about time to go race because it quite simply wouldn't be around. So if you see one of those ladies for women for racing or if you're out at Jefferson County Speedway next year and you see somebody rolling around in an official shirt, if you can't make a donation, make sure you go up and give them a good, firm thank you because we wouldn't be able to do it without guys like these. Well, I think we'll go ahead and wrap that up for you once again. Thank you so much, Tommy Denton, for joining with me today. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, James. I appreciate it. It was it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, we'll definitely do it again once we once you guys get your season off the ground next year. Maybe we'll get you and Jeff up here to talk a little bit about the USAC show. Well, once again, race fans, this has been another edition of Roland Race News. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you all next week. <laughs>